0: Now, back to Puck and the Gas Man on your home for Seattle's best NFL draft coverage. Sports Radio 950, KJR. Oh, this is a, a perfect song and a perfect uh, group to lead into our next guest, Curtis Gramtree, who will join us here in the Beacon Plumbing Hotline. The uh, lineup is out for the Los Marineros, their game later today. And remember, they're facing all these right-handers, and that's why Ichiro had to be on the team, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, ben Gamble is starting in left field, not Ichiro. But remember... We needed the left-hand bat of Ichiro because of all the right-handers uh, that they were facing. Uh, joining us on the Beacon <laughs> Plumbing Hotline, his favorite group of all time, would be NWA. Uh, Curtis Crabtree joins us. A special visit from Curtis. He, uh, he, 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 he tried to get out of it, but he's going to join us on Thursday as well. Uh, Curtis, how are you, buddy? I'm good. What's going on, Buck? Well, no. Everything's going on. we got draft week. Are you excited for, for draft week? I know you get into this stuff.
1: Yeah, it's always uh, an interesting one just because all of a sudden there's, you know, a half dozen or more new players on the team you have to get to know. And so it's uh, it's always entertaining in that regard for sure. Uh,
0: Curtis, I thought yesterday, we, I was joking with Gas, I normally kind of, I mean, I obviously listen to this pre-draft press conference they have every year. It's, a, it's our job, obviously, to listen to it. But, I you know, they don't really usually say much in it. They don't give anything away. And why would they? Schneider's not going to tell you, yeah, we're going to take this guy at 18 and this is what we're going to do in the fourth round in the fifth round. I I don't know about you. I I felt this was the the most honest they have ever been. And I thought they kind of shed some light on their thinking here in the last few months with a lot of decisions they made.
1: Yeah, I think they did as well. Um, You know, I wasn't expecting to get. Um, the sort of response I did from John to the question that I asked him to open the press conference about things that they're changing. And, you know, he kind of hinted, hinted right out of the gate that they have, you know, paired their draft board down to a smaller number of uh, prospects that they have up there. And basically he said, that they're making less excuses for players to be on their draft board right now. And, you you know, that was interesting to me. A uh, little bit different sort of, you know, that's, you know, some pretty, pretty significant insight into how they're handling the, the draft process. Now it's not going to tell us how many players are up there or who those players are, but sim- simply the way I read into it was the fact that they were – finding you know guys that you know may have a medical issue from the past that they've decided you know this guy's really talented he needs to stay up there they're scratching them off the board guys with character issues they're scratching them off the board to where they're going to have a smaller smaller uh pot of guys to potentially select from that they feel like really fit everything they want to do and so um yeah i thought that that was quite quite an interesting sort of revelation
2: there's there's some obvious answers to this curtis but i'm interested in your answer what 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 brought this about? They've had almost, I would call it a Father Flanagan complex over the years. We'll take anybody and we'll we'll, we'll turn him into a man and make him a great football player. It doesn't matter what his past was. Almost like what the, we used to think of with the Raiders in Al Davis's heyday. This does sound like kind of a change in philosophy. Is is it as obvious as the McDowell thing? What, what do you think triggered this?
1: Well, I mean, they didn't invoke Malik McDowell in, in discussing these
2: decisions
1: uh, yesterday. They didn't say that that was the cause, but you can't help but assume that it's part of the equation, mm-hmm. given the circumstances that have you know, transpired over the last um, 10 months or so since oh. McDowell got injured in that accident. So, um, you know, I think you look at McDowell, I think you look at, um, you know, guys, you know, a guy like Jesse Williams, for instance, who had the, the, the knee issues in Alabama and they decided to select him in the fifth run. And obviously that didn't end up working out because he continued to be injured throughout most of his time with Seattle. Um, you know, stuff like that, I think is some of the things I'd, i initially point to to say, uh, those are probably the scenarios they're talking about. You know, they've, they've had two draft picks now over the last four or five years or so, that potentially will never even see the practice field with them. You know, Garrett Scott had a heart condition that, um, Showed up for them after they drafted him, and he never never took part in a practice with them either. So, um, if McDowell ultimately doesn't end up playing either, which certainly seems to be the case, um, that would be two of their draft picks in the last several years that have been able, unable to, to even take part in a training camp practice with them. So, um, you know, the Scott one was more circumstance; that was just kind of something that sprung up on him afterwards. McDowell's um, was a certainly a little bit different situation, but nevertheless, that's basically what's happened
0: yeah I mean I think you didn't have to read too much into it I I thought when they gave that answer and they talked about you know being aware you know I thought it was I think it was Schneider that said it you know being aware of the red flags that I thought for the first time he kind of acknowledged I think to you guys and to everyone you know we kind of pushed aside some of those red flags because we liked the player so much we thought the upside of the player was was outweighed whatever his red flags were. And I think that was directly, I think, a commentary on McDowell. I mean, what was the first thing they said, Curtis? You remember this. The first thing they said when they drafted Malik McDowell, this is someone we've been searching for since the day we got here in Seattle. And I think Mm -hmm. they they fell in love with Malik McDowell so much, they didn't look at the glaring red flags that were, you know, they didn't know that he was going to drive an ATV and injure himself. But the immaturity issues, not giving full effort on the field, that it leads to poor decisions off the field. And that's exactly what happened with McDowell. I, I that was a very honest moment by, by John Schneider yesterday to just say, you know what, I I've I've looked past a lot of these red flags because I, I like the player so much. Yeah, I, I think I think it's tough to correlate
1: some of the football-related issues that Malik McDowell had at Michigan State, and to act like there was any way they could foresee that he was going to injure himself in an ATV accident. I think conflating that can be a little bit diff- too much of a, a leap to make, but obviously it's what happened, and you know, for better or for worse, you know, it's caused them. I think to, to reevaluate some of the things they've gone through, and I thought. One of the telling comments that Shiner and Carol kind of alluded to yesterday was the simple fact that, you know, their scouts grind on putting together reports and getting to know these players over 10, 11 months uh, of the year to to get ready for the draft at some point. And ultimately, you know, I think they respected the work put in a little bit too much is the way they kind of phrased it to where they'd keep a guy alive, keep him up on the draft board when they probably should should have scratched him. In, in the past, case kind of as a you know a nod to the work that the the scouts have done to to evaluate them and get to know them and all of those sort of things. But now I think they're they're drawing a the line a little bit tighter on the sort of guys that will populate the draft board. And not that you know you're not going to have somebody uh, with you know issues at some point in time get drafted by this team because I think you know it, it's a it's a Value equation that every team makes out there regarding the players they're willing to select and 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 have on their roster, but certainly they're trying to get to the point where it's not gonna have as many little issues pop up as they have had over the last few years.
2: Makes me wonder if they'd have Frank Clark on their board if he was coming out this year. I mean, they took a big chance on him a few years ago, and then there this is the, this is a an example of a guy who would have fallen into this category. Uh, and And I, I wonder if if they would you know still use that pick on him.
1: It's a good question. I don't know. Mm. Um, I do know at the time, they said that they put every resource that they had into trying to figure out what happened in his situation back uh, back in college and said that you know they would you know, because Schneider had said to us in years past that they would not select somebody in the draft that had an altercation with a woman. And then obviously they draft Frank Clark and your eyebrows raised to the roof at that point in time, given the the reports of what had happened. And so they they were pretty adamant that they felt like, you know, whatever had been reported to have happened didn't occur, which is why they felt comfortable selecting him. So if they didn't think it happened, then you probably, I don't know how much that would affect whether they had him on the board or not, but certainly it's something to question for sure. Um, given the fact of what they said yesterday, whether that would be a case where they would have taken him off the board.
0: The great Curtis Crabtree joining us on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline. Of course, our Seahawks reporter. You can follow uh, Curtis on Twitter, at Curtis underscore Crabtree. All Seahawks news, all Mariner news, all draft news. Uh, follow him uh, today. And He'll even give you some uh, Formula One advice and maybe a, a, a swing plane advice as well if you ask him on Twitter. Um, I wonder if, if they would be truthful. Getting just you know highlighting McDowell and then Frank Clark for a second is a Frank Clark red flag, and I'm not excusing what happened, what transpired in that hotel or that motel. If that's a less of a concern for them as opposed to McDowell because McDowell's red flag was he's lazy on the field. He doesn't give effort. And I wonder if you could get if they were truthful, what's more concerning to them. I, I would think for just a pure football, Evaluation: The guy who's not giving maximum effort would probably be the red flag they'd be more concerned about.
1: Well, it's it's tough to say. Like, for instance, if if the allegations against a player was like the current allegations against Ruben Foster, just for the sake of argument. That might be a difficult leap to try to accept at that point in time. Mm. Uh, I, again, I think it's all kind of a value equation and how much you want to weight different aspects and that sort of thing. Certainly, when you look at it from from just a pure football standpoint, if somebody doesn't really care about the game as much, or that, at least that was sort of the 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 rumblings about McDowell that was out there was that you know it wasn't something he loved and was truly die hard over, you know, that's something that will obviously raise an eyebrow during the process as well. Um, you know, it reminds me a little bit of Eric Bedard who certainly did not love baseball that much when he was with the Mariners. Uh, he just did it because he was really good at it. Um, I I don't know how much of that McDowell was or whatever the case may be, but I mean, every, every flag you would flag a guy with is different. Like I said, whether it's the, the knee issues that Jesse Williams had, whether it's, um, you know, the, the reported domestic incident frank clark had whether it's the you know supposed lack of uh, commitment and effort that malik mcdowell had they're they're all different parts of the puzzle no one no no two people are going to be the same in how you evaluate them um and so you got to figure out how much of each category you're willing to be okay with
2: uh curtis what's the earl thomas meter reading as of this morning i saw where Story that uh, one rumor that the Cowboys have decided we're just going to back off and wait. He wants to come here. We'll get him as a free agent. Pete's saying he has no problem with him skipping the workouts. Uh, what What's your what's your uh, significantly smaller than we first met Curtis Crabtree gut tell you about uh, about where Earl Thomas is going to be in a few days?
1: Well, the fact that Schneider said last week that, um, you know, that his representatives have told them that Earl's not going to hold out, I think is a significant piece of the puzzle um, because I think they want Earl to be there with them when they get training camp going at the end of July. I don't think they care as much whether he's there throughout the OTAs and such, but when training camp gets going, they're going to want him there. And I think, you know, part of the idea of trading him would be partly to get ahead of that uh, kind of like, you know, Take Dwayne Brown's situation with Houston last year where he held out throughout training camp, held out throughout the first six weeks of the season or so, then finally came in to play for him for a couple weeks. They don't want a situation like that with Earl to come along, which is, you know, part of the reason I think you explored the idea of a trade situation. Um, And not that it's completely off the table, I don't think, if they got the right offer. Again, there's a price for every player. Russell Wilson's got, a uh, you know, there's some threshold where they'd be okay with trading Russell Wilson, too. Um, You're probably never going to get that offer, but there would be a threshold where it would make sense. And same thing with Earl here. They're not going to give him away, and it seems increasingly less likely that they're going to get the sort of offer they want for him at this point in time. But I don't think you can completely rule it out either until after you get, a little bit into the draft this weekend.
0: Curtis, why do you think they won't just shut the door on Kaepernick? Why does he keep leaving it open? Does anyone in their right mind in this city think that Colin Kaepernick's going to come here and be a backup quarterback after they just re-signed Austin Davis? Um, I don't know. Uh, there's there's no there's no
1: real need for them. Dev- the reason they have quarterbacks on the roster right now is so that they can practice. Like the simple fact that during OTAs they have to have guys who can throw the football to receivers and take snaps to hand off to running backs. You need yeah, the battle Davis, body it, out
0: there. But Davis isn't a camp arm. I mean, that's Stephen Morris is a camp arm. No, They're not Austin. Stephen Davis.
1: Morris could simply be a camp arm. But there's no reason that they couldn't swap out veterans at some point in, in the decision in in the process either. Where they have, uh, you know, hypothetically, if they have Morris handle the stuff that they want him to handle through this portion of the off season. And then have a Kaepernick come in to compete with Austin Davis for the backup job. You could certainly see that happen. Whether, you know, look back to when they had Matt Flynn, Tavares Jackson, or Russell Wilson all on the roster, they've had a situation like that before. Um, But I don't know. I I think, look, Kaepernick is still a talented quarterback. The question is, how much does he want to play football? I. I don't know. I think it's tough to say and really gauge that. I think that's part of the process they're trying to figure out on their own as well um, and how and, and how much he would fit into the pie. I, I don't know why they haven't closed the door on it per se. It's also tough to imagine him getting a job in the NFL when he's suing the league, you know, in some regards. But um, it's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's not an easy situation to try, try to weed through and figure out where everybody's coming from on it for sure.
0: You got a golf course on mind? For today, you gonna to play a little, play a little uh, golf, chase a little white ball around.
1: No, I, I don't. But you know, I wouldn't rule out the possibility that could happen at
2: some point. That's a Schneider answer there. Yeah. That was an absolute. Why yeah. won't you rule out not playing
0: golf? Yeah, go play golf. I mean, if <laughs> I were you, you got nothing else to going on today. The draft's a few days away. Soft,
2: softly said, that's what NFL guys do. They yeah. go play golf today
0: and tomorrow to clear their heads before the big push. Come on, Curtis. You go hit boy, the I white ball. I guess I gotta go. Man. There you <laughs> go. <That a> boy. <laughs> All right. Golf Extraordinaire Formula One fanatic Curtis Crabtree joining us. Thanks, Curtis. We'll talk to you Thursday. All right, see you guys. All right, there he is. Curtis Crabtree, our nine fifty KJR reporter joining us on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline. I love the uh, the Carol quote on uh, on uh Colin Kaepernick. Uh where is it at? We're aware of him. He's a fine football. <laughs> I'll just stop. There. You could just stop there. We're aware of him. It'd be funnier if he said who. <laughs> He's a fine football player, and there may be a place for him. We're not sure about where that fits just yet.